0: Good morning. It's great to be with you this morning, and um, happy Mother's Day. Right? Happy Grandmother's Day and happy Mother's Day. Um, I hope you're prepared. I hope that you've done for your mom today. If you haven't, you can excuse yourself. I guess you've got a little bit more time. But uh, it's great to be with you, and I want to have the opportunity to honor moms this morning. I want you to know that Mother's Day, it's never mentioned in the Bible... But we live in a society today where we sort of see things through different lenses. We sort of see for, for moms, for women to have to crawl to the top and be acknowledged and, and affirmed and, and somehow, I guess it's true for all of us too, right? Men included. Somehow or another, if I can just get my, my office, three offices above yours, then that's going to unlock the key to all of my unhappiness. You know, if you just stop for a moment and look at things through God's perspective and acknowledge that your children are a gift from God, and if you acknowledge the fact that through God's perspective, your role is is enormously important. It's much more important than some job that you're trying to uh, achieve or some great title that you're trying to obtain or for whatever status symbol that society can give to you. It is. Through God's perspective, your child is a gift from God. Do you know in the Old Testament, the Bible teaches us about Moses' mother. And the rule was, is that if you had a male baby, you were to take the baby and throw him into the Nile River. And and when Moses was born, she said, look, I'm not going to do that. Well, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to hide him. Well, how long is that going to last? I don't know. I'm going to make a boat. You're going to commit him to his death. No, I'm going to commit him to the Lord. My child is a gift from God. And I'll tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to throw him into the Nile River. I'm not doing that. And for moms and dads today, I want you to know that our society, which honestly is governed by the God of this world, would just say, look, just turn your kids over. You know, the schools will teach them right and wrong. They'll Teach them about all the things that they really need to know about. Where in reality, your responsibility as a mom, it's incredibly, incredibly vital. You're the only one who can do it. Not a village, not society, you. God has entrusted you. And so I don't want you to think that being the mom is the joke and sport of late night television. It's enormously important to the living God. Families are enormously important to the living God. And I want to take a look this morning at a real mom in action. Now, this happened many, many years ago, but this message I want to be very personal to you, and it's on page 200. If you have a chapel Bible, uh, the print is very fine if you're using a chapel Bible. It's, if you're not using a chapel Bible, it's 2 Kings chapter 4, where the Bible teaches us of this prophet and this encounter that he has with this mom. This is a mom that doesn't really know much ab- about the Bible, she's a Gentile. She doesn't know anything about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She doesn't know anything about the covenant relationship. She doesn't know much about Noah. But she does does value the things of God. And that would be the great takeaway for all of us in this next half of an hour, that we would go here saying, you know something, I value the things of God. I want to look at things through God's perspective for a moment and not just through the lenses of what society is going to deem to be the most important or not. In the New Testament the Lord Jesus said this it's a great verse he said if you love me if anyone love me he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will go and make our abiding presence with him we will go and have fellowship with him this verse does not deal with salvation it deals with discipleship and fellowship with the Son of God if anyone loves me Jesus said he'll keep my words she'll keep my words and my father will love him and will come and make our abiding presence. That's something that this world never will understand. Right? The world can give you uh, 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 an advancement at your job. The world is gonna give you all this acknowledgement and recognition. The world is never gonna give you the peace of God which passes understanding. It can't do it. And as a fifth grade teacher, what happens is, I get these, these, these emails, they come every day. I get these emails. And the emails, you know, at the end of it has the parent's name and these incredible letters. I Google the letters, these big titles. And so I just type back, yes, this is Brenda's spelling words, John Shetlick, fifth grade. And then I type some letters, and I just send it back. Here, you got to figure this out, right? We are so plugged in to what others will think. We want to take a look at a real mom in real action this morning for all of us. The Bible teaches us in 2 Kings chapter four, we're okay with this, I'm gonna move this down just a little bit in verse number eight. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shaman where there was a notable woman and she constrained him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by that he turned in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed up there for him and a table and a chair and a lampstand so it will be whenever he comes into us, he can turn in there. So this woman, she's a Gentile woman, and her husband does quite well. As the story unfolds, as the narrative unfolds, you're going to see that. And this woman says, listen, I value this holy man of God. I don't really know anything about him, but I'm gonna do something for him and we're doing something for his friend too. And so she says, look, we've got this spare bedroom upstairs. I would like him to be able to come in and have a meal and have a place to lie down and we're gonna give him a little lampstand and we're gonna make sure that he's got some lodging whenever he wants it. And I guess as any good husband, we, you know, her husband is just gonna go right along with that, right? And so the Bible tells us that this offer goes out to this great prophet named Elisha. And Elisha doesn't say to this woman, oh, no, you know, I I mean, come on, I'm Elisha, and I mean, who exactly are you, this Gentile? Mm Mm-mm, Elisha goes. Elisha sees that there's an open door. Elisha goes, and he brings his servant Gehazi with him. And so they decide that whenever they pass by, there's gonna be opportunity for there to be lodging. She values the things of God. She doesn't care what her neighbors are gonna think about that. She doesn't care about what the newspaper could write about that. Isn't that a little odd and strange that she's gonna do that? I don't care about that. And so we continue, verse 11 says, and as it happened one day that he came there, he turned in to the upper room and laid down there. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call the Shumanite woman. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he, said, and, and he said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? You see that? The prophet is asking. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? And she answered and said, I dwell among my own people. So you sort of get this. Uh, Elisha is moved by this. The prophet is moved by this this woman is kind to me she's probably kinder than a lot of the Jewish people in the neighborhood here that I'm passing by she's willing to do this she doesn't have to do this Elisha is convicted about this so he brings this woman in and he speaks to his servant and he says what exactly can I do for this woman I mean I'm a pretty important person do you wanna have lunch with the, 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 the commander of the army? Would you like that? I can do that for you. Would you like to meet with the United States Senate? Do you wanna have breakfast with the president? You want that? I can do it. The woman says, no, you know what? I don't need any of that. See, that really speaks to me this morning, it does. This woman doesn't need all of that. She doesn't need to have breakfast with the United States Supreme Court. That doesn't mean anything to her. I See, I'm not there yet, because in my mind, if I did that, I would go out and tell everybody that. That would be all over my social media. She doesn't need any of that. She doesn't need the words of affirmation. She doesn't need to meet with all these important people. She doesn't need to tell the titles. She doesn't have to go and do all of those things. We do, I do, I do. In a half an hour, if we shake hands, and you say, ah, oh, you know, you, really were, you didn't really have it today, John, oh, that'll bother me later today, all right. Words of affirmation, she, she, important things. She doesn't need all of those things. Who have you met that you've told everything to, right? Once in a New York City platform and Penn Station, I met Al Gore. And then I told about everybody that day that I had met Al Gore and I was in the taxi cab and I said, I just met Al Gore. And the taxi cab driver said, who exactly is he? (laughs) And then it dawned on me, you're right. Who exactly is he? Nobody really super important, but we do that. The Apostle Paul is caught up to the third heaven. He says, I know a man who was caught up to the third heaven. He doesn't have to go and tell everybody it was him. Listen, if I was caught up to the third heaven, all of Scotch Plains would know about it the hour after it happened. And all I would do is tell you how I was there and you were not. This woman doesn't need any of that. She doesn't need any of that. She's way beyond all of that. No, she says. She says, look, I don't need to meet with with the, the head of the army. I don't need to meet with these important people. Thank you. But that doesn't really matter to me. It doesn't really matter to me. I dwell amongst my own people. Verse 14, so he said to her, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, well, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. Okay, I mean, this is a real critical point in this account, right? Actually, uh, the the prophet says, well, well, look, there's nothing really we can do for her. Husband is well to do financially. Everything seems to be great here. There's really no nothing we can do for her. Oh, no, 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 there is something you can do for her. There's something that is so intimate. There is something that is so private. There is something that is so deep. She hasn't told anybody about this. And I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to challenge you that if you're honest with yourself this morning, if you're honest with yourself this morning, there is something in your life that is so personal and so private that if you spoke about it, maybe it would bring you to tears or if you spoke about it, maybe it would bring back some uncomfortable feelings. I don't know, but there is something way deep down inside that you just say, look, there there's this void here. There is something. She has no son and her husband is old. See, this is this is much more important than, you know, she's not been to Hawaii, right? This is something much more important than you know, has she is she the financial officer of some great company somewhere. In the New Testament, the Bible tells us that the Lord Jesus healed everyone that came to him. You know, it says that wheresoever Jesus went, whether into cities or villages or towns, they laid the sick people in the street, it says, and they besought him that they might touch the hem of his skirt. And as many as touched were made whole. Can you get that mental picture in your mind? As many as touched, they were made whole thousands of people. As he walked down, you know, Tower Road, You just lined people in the streets. He healed them all. He also healed them without insurance, and he healed them without co-pays, and he healed them without coming back to the doctor for revisits. He healed them without asking questions. Now, where exactly is your pain? On a scale of one to 10, what is your pain, you know? I never know what to say to that. What's your pain? I don't know, my pain is enough that I'm here. It's a 10. All of them are (laughs) 10s. He doesn't need any of that. The people hurry instantly. The Bible speaks of one specific woman in the New Testament. And she's got a problem. It's a medical condition. It's incurable, Dr. Luke says it. But it's private. She doesn't want to tell anybody. It's this bleeding that goes on. She don't want to, like, share that. When kids walk into fifth grade and they have a busted wrist, they get everybody to sign the cast. They love that. And they can't do their schoolwork. I need somebody to scribe for me and there is no substitute today. I guess I'll just sit here and cause havoc for you. (laughs) But not this woman. She's got something so deep that she's told nobody about. This bleeding that goes on for 12 years. And she says in her heart, if I can get to the Lord Jesus, I'm a Gentile, I know nothing about him, I know nothing about the, if I can just touch the hem of His skirt, I'll be whole. And she does, she, 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 she sneaks up as it were. She, she navigates through the crowd as it were. And she touches his skirt and she's whole, he stops. He's on his way to raise a little girl from the dead and the dead doesn't know it yet. The dad's upset. Why are we stopping? He stops. She reaches out in faith. You know, maybe there's somebody here today that needs to reach out and just agree with God. Lord, I, j- I just agree with you. I know that that cross was risen. I know why. Because I know it means I'm not good enough for your heaven. I, I, I acknowledge that. And I don't know too much about this Lord Jesus Christ, but I want to get to know him and I'm thankful that he came on this rescue mission. This woman stops. Uh, 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 she's, she, she comes up before him. She touched the hem of the skirt, and, he, and and she's whole. She's whole. She hasn't told anybody. Neither has this woman in, in, in Kings, right? She hasn't said anyone, said this to anyone. Verse 14, when... The, uh, w- so he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son, and her husband is old. And he said, call this woman. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time, verse 16, next year you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. Right? She says, look, I, I've, I've been through all of this. I've been on this roller coaster ride. I've had my expectations up. I, I, the whole thing, it's gone up in smoke for me. I, I don't emotionally, can, I can't go back to this place. No, don't, don't lie to me or even mention this. This is too hard for me. It's too hard for me. So I guess that would cause us to stop and say, so what is the impossible in your life? What would that be? That's too hard. What is it? And I will tell you that in the, the, the more that I live, the more I acknowledge that it's not, I'm gonna get over this, whatever the it happens to be for you. But rather, with God's strength, I'm gonna get through this. i you gonna through it. What would that be? You know, what, what is it that, 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 that wounds you? We inflict a ton of wounds on ourselves. We do. We're great at it. We're great at it. As, as parents, as we look back, there's so much blame that we give to ourselves. Do you know that the day that the child is born, the doctor, for some of you I presume, puts the epidural, the doctor says, um, dad, you're gonna have to step out of the room because if you see the needle I'm gonna put into mom, you're gonna faint. Please step out of the room. I know you're the Lamaze coach, you've been through the training with the breathing. Step out of the room, dad. Mom goes through a lot of pain. I guess they call it like labor pangs. Is that the right term when the mom is born? Do you know how many life pangs the mom goes through? Pains at birth and pains. It seems like so many steps along the way. So many steps along the way. It's hard. God, God, um, God believes in moms. God loves moms. God created moms. God is for moms. So the Bible teaches us that that this woman says, no, no, don't don't go there, it's too hard. And the woman conceived, verse 17, and bore a son during the appointed time, when the appointed time had come, to which Elisha had told her. So the child grew, verse 18. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, and he said to his father, my head, my head, and so he said to a servant, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon, and then he died. Now this is brutal. It really is. We see this piece of the narrative. Little boys want to be just like their dads. Right? You see the dad is out in the field, and you see the little boy is out in the field. The dad is out ordering around the servants and the little boy, he's out, he's like his dad. Boys love to be like their dads. They love it. They're out shoveling the snow. My boys are three years old. When they were three years old, they came out in the snow. They put the snow onto the driveway. (laughs) So you see this little boy, he's out in the field. And you see that That sometime when the sun is so hot that he puts his hand on his head and he cries out my head and he faints. And the father in this account says, look, I don't have time for this. There's a window of time that I have to get this wheat to the harvest. There's a window of time. I have no time. Bring the child to his mother. And that's what the dad does. Now, this doesn't really make dad look good. It's not your day, dad next month next month is your day but this account doesn't make the dad look good and you think about the strong entrepreneurs in, in the United States you know saying listen this is where I am in my in my business and and John did you know that I had lunch and, and I had breakfast in France and I had lunch in Belgium and I had dinner in Germany Yes, and your your son is dying on the vine in front of your eyes. Yes, I'm glad. What did you order in Germany? What? what how was it? Tell me. It's a real big wake up call, right? It's a wake up call for dads. We're driven to the part that we want to do so well. What about our kids? The spiritual relationship of our kids. Somebody ought to stop this dad and say, "Look, your son's going to be dead by lunch." Does that mean like anything? or do you still gotta get this to the harvest? Where's the priority? Oh, I speak to myself. Please, please don't think that I'm, I'm speaking at you here, because I speak to myself. And I know that I can't go back and get some of those years back. I acknowledge that. But I also serve a gracious God. And I know there were a lot of blunders as the dad. I know it. And I, and I know that there's a lot of blunders as the mom. I know it. But God still believes in families. He does. He believes in families. It comes in real early in the Bible, real early. That's why, honestly, I think families are under such attack today. I think if Satan can divide families, he has victory. He has victory. God believes in families. So this child goes to the mom. What does the mom do? She puts the child on her knees. She probably sings to him. She holds him. She cries right along with him. And she waits until he dies. And then if you notice, the Bible says this in verse 21. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. That's verse 21. And she shut the door upon him and she went out. This mom is going to take a proactive approach here. She is not going to just sort of mark the time, you know. I'm just going to run out the the clock on the devil. I'm 53 years old, and uh, if the Lord comes, great, I'll be out of here. And if he doesn't come, then how many more years do I have here? I'm just going to sort of, you know, play defense. No. That's not where this mom is. She's going to fight. She's not going to lay down. She shuts the door behind him. Verse 22, and she calls to her husband and says, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. And he said, why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, it is well. Now that's actually the title of this sermon. I don't know whether or not everybody, you would know that or not, but the phrase, it is well. Right, so let's see if we can unpack this a little bit. She says to her husband listen I need a young man and I need one of the animals and I need a wagon this is an old woman right he says where are you going she says I'm going to find the man of God why why is it neither the new moon or the Sabbath it's not Easter Sunday why do you got to go today look can't this wait She doesn't say another word except it is well. See, in her heart, I believe she has a peace about this. And things are not good. You could say, look, in this woman's life, there's a lot of fire. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of anguish. She says, "It's, it's well. It is well. She doesn't tell him anything. That's okay. She just says, it is well. I'm going to find the man of God. If I can find the man of God, then I'm going to be in a strong place. So I want you to know this morning that if we can have that fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll be in a strong place. See, Jesus never said that there's not going to be storms. Oh, there's going to be lots of storms in our lives, right? I mean, quite frankly, most of my life is the storm. I'm probably heading into one tomorrow morning. Ben knows about it, right? You know, I, Ben's in my class. I, I probably don't know what any of it is about yet. But as long as the Lord Jesus is in the boat, I'm as good as on the other side. In the New Testament, there was a tremendous storm and he was asleep. And they woke him up, and the phrase they said to Jesus of Nazareth was <laughs> they said, Don't you care we're gonna perish. We're perishing. Have you ever said that? Lord, don't you care about this unemployment? Don't you care about this sickness? Don't you care about what's going on here? Don't you care? I've said that. I've said that during the heat of the storm. He gets up and he rebukes the winds and the waves. And they whisper amongst themselves, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? See, if there wasn't any storm, they wouldn't come to the appreciation of who he is. He's the Lord of glory. He knows all about your storms. And if he's in the boat, you're as good as on the other side. She's going to find the man of God. It is well. And I'll tell you this. I don't know what the storm is going to be. And I don't know what your storm is either. I don't need to know it. I'm not saying I don't care, but I don't need to know it. I will say this. If you're going to find the man of God or you're walking in fellowship with Jesus Christ, you're as good as on the other side. It doesn't mean you're not going to have sorrow. Christians have sorrow. It doesn't mean you're not going to feel pain. Christians feel pain. But it does mean that you're in a safe, safe place. And it does mean that in your heart, you can say it is well. It is well. It is well. So I want to give that to moms today. I don't know where your children are. I don't know, right? But I do want you to know this, that if you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus, it is well. Even if they don't, it is well. This one woman in the New Testament has this child who has this demon possession. She comes alone. She can't even bring the child to Jesus. She goes alone. Okay, so maybe I got to go alone. But I'm going to carry the same phrase that this woman in 2 Kings does, it is well, because this is what she says. She says, it is well. And she goes to find the man of God. She goes to find the man of God. And I want you to notice verse 26. Please run to meet her. Elisha is up on a mountain. You know These prophets love the mountains. <laughs> <You know? laughs> they just do. Elisha is up on the mountain. Verse 26, please run to her and meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And she answers, it is well. Could you say that today? Can I say it today? Or do I scurry around to try to put out all these little things, trying to make everybody happy, or trying to like solve everything? That's exhausting. It really is. It's such a better place to be at the feet of the Lord Jesus, saying, Lord, it is well. And I don't know exactly what today is going to offer. And I know that my morning devotions are not like, you know, you, you sit in these, I've sat in a chapel like this and I've heard about the morning devotions of these great men of God that they started at three in the morning. And I'm like, there's no, Way that I can start at three in the morning, you know? But for 10 minutes, could I settle my heart? And I could say, Lord, my kids need you today. I I don't know exactly all their circumstances, but they're gonna need you today. And so I wanna pray for them. I wanna pray for them by name. I wanna give them to you, Lord. And then I wanna claim this Same phrase that this woman said, it is well. It is well. And so the Bible says in verse 32 that Elisha finds out that this child had died and that this woman was in a proactive place. And so in verse 32, Elisha came into the house. There was the child lying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them, and he prayed to the Lord. Now Elisha is a prophet of God and he is going to pray intensely to the Lord in this passage. And when he went up, he lay on the child and he put his mouth on the child's mouth and his eyes on the child's eyes and his hands on the child's hands and he stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. He's identifying with this child. He's going to the mat for this child. Right? This is not... Lord, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you, goodbye, amen. Right? He's identifying with this child. Now, I don't know your children. Clearly, I don't. But I do know that they have different needs. They do. My boys have different needs. Do I know them intimately enough to be able to pray for what those needs are? Do I know intimately them enough so that I can discern as far as to take the proactive approach and to be there. Maybe it just means to listen. Does mom know that? Mom is generally better at that than dad. Generally, mom is more in tune with the needs of the boys and girls. You know, when we conference, dads generally say nothing. I, met, I meet moms and dads for conferences. Mom comes in with notes. She's got questions, reading levels, and computation, and calculations, and metacognitive, higher level critical thinking questions. Dad sits there. I ask, is there anything you would, no, no, no. I think, you know, I think we've covered it. And then every now and again, Dad'll walk in alone. And I sit down, and I know that he's cooked. I just, know, you know, I said, what do you wanna talk about? The Mets? I mean, you have am 20 minutes now. I'll go wherever you want to go. Mom's in touch, right? Praise the Lord for moms that, moms that are in touch with the specific needs of specific kids. Kids who are feeling insignificant. Kids who don't really connect with other kids. Kids who are struggling academically. Kids who are just trying to figure it out. Kids who are struggling at the high school knowing that they can be included in different groups that they do certain things praise God for moms and grandmas praying moms and grandmas Elisha prays for this child and verse 35 and he returned and walked back and forth in the house and again See, it, doesn't, it didn't happen on the first round of prayers. And again went up and stretched himself out on him. And then the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call the Shumanite woman. So he called her, and when she came into him, he said, Pick up your son. So she went in, she fell at his feet, and she bowed to the ground. She picked up her son, and she went out. She bowed to the ground. See that? That's a heart of worship. It's a heart of worship. So moms, the beautiful takeaways for you today is this. I want you to have a heart of worship for your children. I know that they, they do difficult things or hard things. I know all that. But your children are a gift from God, they, they are. Your children are more important. My children are more important than my career They're more important on my 529 college savings plan or the automobile insurance that I happen to have at the moment. They're more important than who I've met. In the scope of God's lens, your family is paramount. You know what a beautiful thing to do? Is to bring them into the ark, which is the Lord Jesus. Because as the whole world was gonna get flooded, and they did, this one man and his wife found that his three sons and their wives found that refuge in that ark. Well, the ark is Christ. The ark is Christ. This woman, she bows and she worships. And that's where I want your posture to be. That's the one takeaway. The second one is, I want you to have peace in your heart to be able to say it is well. It is well. Sure, there's been some blunders, and I'm sure there's gonna be more. But it is well, because I honor the things of God. So we'll close with that beginning verse. If anyone love me, Jesus said, he'll keep my words. She'll keep my words. And my Father will come, and we'll make our abiding presence with him. Happy Mother's Day. Let's close with a word of prayer. Our Father, we thank you for moms this morning. We thank you that moms are a gift we thank you for, for praying, moms, and praying, grandmothers, and we just pray that we would learn from this woman, that she takes this proactive approach and that she's able to say it as well, even in the midst of the hardest things, knowing that if, if you are in the storm, Lord Jesus, that we are as safe and as good as on the other side. And so I pray, Lord, that you would give a special blessing to moms this day. Thank you for this this meeting, this testimony. Thank you for this opportunity. And we pray, Lord, that you would be honored through it. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.